Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 278, and I am excited today to have my next guest come on and talk about how and why new sellers can still start on Amazon, even with the most recent review changes. And this is with my good friend, Jeff Cohen, who you guys may or may not have heard of before, but he works for Seller Lab. Also, the company Feedback Genius snags out their own by Seller Lab, so it's basically their software suite, but he is heavily, heavily involved in our community within Amazon selling. He knows a lot about this space because he deals with a lot of businesses in this space. So I wanted to get him on. I wanted to have a conversation with him and really get into his thought process as far as moving forward, right? I mean, the software that they create is for the Amazon seller, right? So they also want to make sure that there's still opportunity out there for all of us because we're using software, right? So they have a lot of intel and a lot of thoughts, I think, uh, that can help us move forward too and kind of like see where everything is starting to go. Now, it doesn't mean that they can predict the future, but there is a good chance that they can see a little bit further ahead just because they have some things that they can they can kind of project by, by just maybe even some inside context that they might have. So, I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. Again, Jeff is a really, really smart guy, so really excited to have him on. If you guys want the show notes to this episode, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 278. You can get the transcripts there, all the show notes, any links we talk about will be there as well. So I'm going to stop talking now so you can listen to this conversation that I had with my good friend, Jeff Cohen. Well, hey, Jeff, what's up, man? How's it going? So glad to have you on the show. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be sharing with you and your audience. Yeah, you know this is uh, you know this is funny. You and I had talked. Well, we've been talking a while, and we've been we've been kind of going back and forth. Uh, we met actually um, at a, at an event uh, not too long ago. We had some good conversations, but it was funny when we were getting ready to schedule this. This was before the whole the whole review Amazon review thing. And uh, you and I both talked and we said, you know, okay, so now I guess we really have something to talk about. So <laughs> it's just weird how things happen. Yeah, I guess you the uh, the joke I made was everything was good at breakfast. And then by the by the time lunch ended, the world had changed. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I think in, in some people's eyes it, it did. But I again, I've got different opinions on that. And I know you do as well. But I guess, you know, what I really want to do is I want to talk today with you I mean you're you're deep into the Amazon space you have been for a while now uh, you know with the guys over at sellers labs and uh, you know I I, I really just want to kind of get into your I guess your thoughts uh, just from talking to other sellers and even just people in the industry maybe we can talk about you know the Amazon opportunity yep. and and selling there still and then this whole review thing and we just kind of dig into it so let me ask you first before we be, be, you know before we actually jump in give people a little bit of a background about you and kind of like what you're up to today. Yeah, so uh, my background I started in uh, the mid 2000s in e-commerce my first site that I uh, founded and was general manager of was called textbooks.com so I kind of started in the textbook space uh, retail e-commerce I met the guys from Seller Labs. It's kind of a a, a long story, but the short version is uh, one of the founders, he actually used to be my programmer, and as he was uh, starting Seller Labs, we were working together, buying some wholesale lots, um, doing some arbitrage from the USPS auction, 
and just kind of fell into and fell in love with Amazon back in about 2013. We uh, turned the company from uh, being Amazon sellers to being an Amazon software company. And in, uh, you know, so far in 2016, we've done business with over uh, about 12,000 Amazon sellers and our sellers have done about 3.6 billion on the Amazon platform. Wow. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty solid stuff right there. So it's funny though. I mean, again, I, I always like to kind of highlight like you didn't get into this into this space thinking you were going to be selling on Amazon. Obviously, it wasn't even really thought of when you were getting involved. But then it kind of it worked your way towards that platform, and then you know, again, you know, meeting people and then connecting with people. That's kind of how it starts to to uh, you know shape your path and stuff. So I think it's interesting um, on, on how everyone kind of arrives to where they are today. Um, so, okay, let's, let's now let's dig in. Cause people really want to know, I guess to, you know, like from, from people like you and people that are, that are, that are in this space that are working with that many businesses, like what's the, I guess, what's the thinking right now, or what's the, what's the buzz in the marketplace for like sellers, whether it's, you know, big sellers, medium sized sellers or small sellers, like just give me kind of like the overall like thoughts. Yeah, so I, I think there's still a ton of optimism around Amazon. Um, everybody in the space still believes that Amazon is at its infancy, which is still scary to think about. If you look at Amazon and you look at their 2015 Q4 numbers, they saw a 60% growth over 2014, which means we can almost expect about the same between 2015 and 2016. So the mm. opportunity at Amazon is still crazy and good. I think it's harder. I think everyone kind of agrees it's a little bit sure. harder to get into the space today. Um, but we also believe that our kids have it easier today than we had it, right? So I think it's <laughs> it's one of those natural things that yeah. you say as you've been in something longer than somebody else. Yes, there were good old days and there were there were times that were easier, but I think the businesses that that grow, the businesses that thrive are the ones that are able to overcome and adapt. And I remember speaking to a, a, a conference and I was sharing some stories about sellers from China and um, how there's been massive growth of sellers from China. And one seller came to me and said, well, if all this is happening in China, then I should just stop doing what I'm doing because my Amazon business is, you know, isn't going to exist a year from now. And I said, well, yeah. How long have you been selling on Amazon? She said, two years. I said, um, how many ASINs do you have? She said, two. I said, when was the last time you innovated your ASIN? You made an, a product update to it, a feature update to it, a package update to it. And she said, I haven't. And I said, when was the last time you went to a grocery store and bought a product that you buy on a regular basis and it looked the same that it looked two years ago? You, you have to think of Amazon mm. as a business and you have to yeah. think of it in the same way that you would if you were running a physical store business or any type of business. And you have to build your business to adapt over time. You can't just, it's not a plug and play business. And that's where mm. I think a lot of sellers who get into this business and kind of die off quickly, that's where they fail is they believe that it's a plug and play business. And the ones who are able to build and succeed and grow are the ones who realize that it's a learning process and you have to adapt your 
business practices as your business grows. Yeah. And I mean, do you think, do you think, and I don't know your answer to this, but I'm going to find out now, like, do you think that people that go into this thing thinking they're going to build a a business on just Amazon, um, do you think that there's people out there that are still thinking that that's their model? Or do you think that the people that are thinking a little bit further down the line where I'm going to start there, I'm going to, like you said, get, you know, get feedback from, from my customers and be able to innovate and all of that stuff and then test and validate the market and then move outside of that. Do you think that that's where people are still thinking or do you still think that's still, people are still thinking they're just going to ride Amazon? Like what's your thoughts there? So I think a lot of people get into this with the initial thought that they can ride Amazon and I don't see anything wrong with that. I believe that you can build a very profitable and you can grow a large business by riding Amazon's wave, but you're also then beholden to Amazon. And so it's a natural evolution that as your business grows, you learn to reduce your risk, right? Mm -hmm. So, and -hmm. this is any type of business, you're going to learn to reduce your inventory risk by uh, having multiple suppliers that can produce your product or can import your product. You're going to learn to reduce your financial risk by uh, looking to take out loans. And so there's all these things that you have to do as you go to grow a business. I have a seller that I've been working with for three years. He does $350,000 a month selling a single product line. And it's a, I'm not going to share, you know, you and I have always talked sure. about this, right? It's the product, not, it's the process, not the product. Right. And, and I remember, you know, he, he swore to me forever. Uh, I'm Amazon. I'm Amazon only. I'm Amazon. I'm Amazon only. And I ran into him about a month ago and I said, what are you up to? He said, I'm launching QVC ads and uh, infomercials. And I was like, wait a minute, what happened to Amazon forever? And Mm -hmm. he said, well, I wanted to grow my business bigger than what it was. I finally felt I was ready to make that investment. And so I started looking at channels off of Amazon. And so this is somebody who built a very large business. He was doing three to $4 million a year with two employees. And, you know, he could have been very happy and staying and doing what he was doing, but he personally decided he wanted to put more into it. And I think that's what I think Amazon sellers have to decide is, is this a lifestyle business? Is this a full-time business? Are they trying to build a business empire, right? So if Mm -hmm. you look at Anchor, right, everyone likes to point to Anchor because if you're not familiar with Anchor, Anchor does somewhere report, somewhere, I guess, rumored, right, because nothing's reported, between 35 and 40 million a month on Mm. Amazon. They're a a Chinese company that, uh, that are former Google executives who came into this space and they built their whole business on process and a formula and they built a whole model for scaling everything that they did, right? So it's the, it's the total extreme. And so if that's your goal, you can do that. And they're, you know, they're now looking to expand their business off of Amazon, but there are plenty of people. And I think it's, it's a definite strong attitude within the United States that Amazon is kind of their side business while they're also doing something else, right? I met a guy at a conference um, back about two months ago. I happened to go to like five conferences in four weeks. So if I keep saying about two months ago, (laughs) there really were more than one conference. And this guy had a full-time job as a CFO of a large medical system group and he runs an Amazon business on the side that's doing around 200,000, 250,000 a month. And so you can run very large Amazon businesses while having full-time jobs, but you could also build full businesses around running those businesses 
but that obviously requires a lot more uh, business intellect, right? When you start getting into to adding uh, staff and personnel and systems and processes. Yeah, I, I I guess the thing that I guess scares me about that is that it's one channel. And, and if, you know, it's like Google back in the day, right? I mean, everyone knows like, you know, Google was the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, you could go ride the gravy train. You could rank sites very easily. You could start getting some AdSense. You could start selling some ClickBank products. You can start doing all that stuff. We all know about that stuff, but then overnight, boom, the backlinks were no longer good for these sites that were helping them rank. And then all of a sudden they lost their, they lost their traffic overnight and they lost their income. And that's the only thing that worries me about, you know, saying like, I'm going to ride the Amazon wave. I've got a guy right now, actually someone that was in my class or is in my class. And basically he's doing over $200,000 a month as well. And he hasn't gotten off of Amazon yet. And I keep telling him like, listen, it's great, but you got to protect yourself. Cause if God forbid you get that little notification that says, you know, some of your listings are suppressed or maybe your accounts, you know, been, been banned for whatever reason, you know, you're, you're done. I just actually interviewed a guy the other day and, um, that, that exact thing happened with him. He had two products crushing it. Um, again, I believe it was kind of in the, the health space. Uh, so kind of like pharmaceutical type, type, uh, line. And, uh, and he only had like two products. He was doing like 60 grand a month and he had a couple of claims from people saying that the product was, uh, not authentic. And the only thing that was, wasn't authentic with it was the product had a war off, uh, uh, logo. So they, they thought that it was a generic product being right. kind of like, you know, reproduced. And he literally went through, I think, four to six weeks of not having that those products, you know, selling. Um, so that stuff scares me. Like that stuff just, I mean, just, I just type person I am anyway. I want to make sure that I'm covered. Um, and that's why, I mean, I come from, you know, the online space as well, even after my brick and mortar business where you, know, you build an email list, you start to learn the audience and all of that stuff. And I think that you can still do that with your Amazon business. I think that's smart for people to start building that external channel, whether it's your own channel or not, something other than relying on that one source of traffic and customers, because they have you, they have you. And, uh, I just think it's really risky. Um, for people to only bank on the, I think it's a great place to start. Don't get me wrong. And I think it's a great place to, to build, but also from there, I think you should be thinking about the external. So what's your thoughts on that? So I'm going to give you two thoughts. One is I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you. And so first off, it's hard to argue with you that that thought is a bad thought, (laughs) right? Like that thought has a lot of logic. It makes a lot of sense. I think the thing that sellers have to be aware is that Amazon makes it easy they have this mm-hmm. massive yeah. amount of traffic. Yep. And so once you go off of Amazon, your challenges become totally different. Yep. So your challenges on Amazon are, they all start with picking the right product, yep. and then controlling your cost once you've picked the right product to produce the product, uh, inspect the product, manage the importing, and get it onto Amazon. But with very little advertising dollars, you can be successful on Amazon. It's true. Once you move off channel, you now have to become the expert in the marketing side of the business, right? So mm-hmm. when I started textbooks.com, it was all about customer acquisition costs. And that is not a concept that we talk about in Amazon in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. right? We, we talk about our average advertising costs. We don't talk about customer acquisition costs. Now, the reason off channel works the reason and, and the concept that sellers have to understand to make off-channel work is that you have what's called lifetime value of a customer. Right. And so if you have a product that is, um, is, is 
re- requires refills, um, you know, purchased on a regular basis, that that channel can totally make sense because once you acquire the customer and you spend money to acquire the customer, you get repeat purchases from that customer. Mm-hmm. If you are starting to build out a larger product line, that makes a lot of sense because when you launch your next product, let's say you have something and you, you, made, you made a really cool product for a bicycle. And yeah. now all of a sudden you're making another product for a bicycle. Well, you have an audience that is most likely going to be interested in the new product that you buy. So that is the positive of that. Um, and, and the negative of that is obviously that you have to have a different skill set than what you would have on the Amazon channel. So it's not to say that it's right or wrong. It's that it may be right or wrong for certain people based on what their skill sets are. I, I agree. I agree 100%. And I think that, and that's, that's part of the problem that we fall into as entrepreneurs is we, we like that easier way. And Amazon is very easy and it's very, uh, you know, very like simple to be able to just go out there and do what we've talked about. Right. I mean, it, it is pretty, and, and it's gotten harder. Don't get me wrong, but it's still easier than going to, you know, basically starting from scratch with no traffic with, uh, you know, having to learn paid ads and all that stuff. I mean, literally, if you do the product research, right, you can launch a product with very little reviews, do a little bit of pay-per-click and you could be getting some sales. Like I've, I've heard it happen time and time and time again. Um, you know, from a lot of people that even listen to the podcast. So it's, it's possible. Um, and and, but, but one, let me add one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Your fears are, your fears of being suspended are legitimate. Mm-hmm. And, and as a business owner, and something they teach you in business school is that you have to look at your, what's called your SWOT analysis, right? So what are your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats? And so depending on what product line you go into within Amazon, you have different opportunities and threats. And so if you're selling anything right now in the natural supplement category, Amazon is cracking down on that. One of the best places to look at what Amazon is doing or is planning to do is to look at their job openings, Mm -hmm. right? See what type of people they're looking to hire. By looking at what type of people they're looking to hire, you'll get a sense of where they find their concerns and their issues. And if you look at a lot of the job hirings, a lot of the job hirings are around product quality and product testing. And so if you have a product in in the health category, if you have it in the natural supplements category, if you have it in the baby category, you should be concerned about your product. Now, let's not just throw a bunch of fear out there without giving people an answer of what to do with it. What this means is that when you're sourcing your product, you need to ask your manufacturer some additional questions and you need to spend a little bit of extra money at the beginning to do proper testing for your product. And I, yeah. I believe that you can actually eliminate these risks because, and, and I don't know your friend's um, actual situation, but if here's what happens. I go and I buy a baby product from a manufacturer and uh, that baby product gets a complaint on Amazon. Amazon's automatic reaction to any complaint from a customer is going to be to shut down the product, right? Yeah. Because customer service is first and foremost with everything that Amazon does. 100%, yeah. If I can go back to Amazon and say, hey, wait a minute, this is my product. I can prove it. I have brand registry. Um, here's my record of import. 
here are all of my testing that I did to prove that it doesn't have lead paint, that it has the right strength, that it meets the right requirements. My ability to get back online in a faster manner is significantly better than somebody who doesn't have any of that testing in place. And so if you have something and you can potentially have an inauthentic claim put against you or a safety claim put against you, then you really need to have the backup from the manufacturing. And here's a mistake that I think a lot of sellers make. They will say, well, my manufacturer told me that they have the proper testing. Now understand that that doesn't mean that your product has the proper testing. That means yeah, good the point. manufacturer does. Right, right. And your job as a, as a contract manufacturer, because that's what we are when you're sure. doing private label, is to make sure that the manufacturer is making your product to your specifications. And it's something that I think we gloss over during some of the early how to get started on Amazon type of training. And it's something that you get into in the deeper training, which is that manufacturers are going to produce a product based on the price that you pay and based on the specs that you give them. Mm -hmm. And they might produce that same product for 10 different countries. And if you are not specifying to them what needs to be, What's, what requirements they need to meet, then they are going to do it to what meets their bottom line and their profitability. And of course, yeah. if you give them a really good RFP, right, a really good request for proposal, and it includes a lot of spe specifics in terms of the strength or the, uh, the type of testing that it needs to pass or um, the type of um, controlled environment that it needs to have, and it really all depends on your product, right, as to what that needs to be. Sure. Sure. then you're going to get a product that is going to be safer for the consumer and one that you can easier, more easily defend if something comes, uh, comes against you. Yeah. You know, and I, I agree. I mean, like, but in the beginning when people are getting started, like that's kind of overwhelming, right? You, you don't even know what you're supposed to be getting tested or checked or this, that, and the other thing. So again, I mean, I think when people are starting, you know, think about that stuff before you jump in to say, you know, am I going after a product that I'm going to have to be more careful? Is there more, is there more liability? Is there like these certain things I think come into the product selection um, and even market selection for that matter? Um, because again, if you're going into a baby market, I mean, again, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're messing around with a baby here, right? I mean, you need to make sure that this things. Isn't, you can't just go to Alibaba and pick the first supplier you see and buy exactly. the product and put it online. Those yeah, days yeah. Are, those days, in certain categories, those days are over. If you want to do that in sports and fitness, you'll probably get away with it without as many problems, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, or I mean a hardware item or, you know, some, something I think that, like you said, you're obviously nothing you're consuming, like you're putting in your body. <laughs> like I would always tell anybody, always stick you know, to the state side for that stuff. Um, yeah, and, let's and talk about the garlic press, right? Like nobody thinks about the fact that the garlic press touches food, right? Yep. And we yep. love to use, I know you, you, anytime I see you at a conference, I try to use garlic press in my presentation. I know it gets a smile <laughs> out of you. Garlic it is funny. Touches, garlic press touches food. If you have any product that touches food, it has to be food safe quality, which means yes. if you are buying that product, if you were buying that garlic press and you are not having it tested for food um, safety, then your product is at risk. Yes. Yep. 
agree. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, so I think just people have to be smart when they're when they're doing that stuff. Going back to to the guy that I was mentioning that had a, had an issue. What his his issue was, and he knows it was his fault. Is he he went ahead and he th- this was actually a reorder. Okay, so on his reorder, he didn't go. Th- he was in a hurry. He didn't he didn't do the inspection as he normally did. And on that inspection. Um, they would have picked up that the logo on his product was war or it was light. It was, it looked like it, it was old. And what happened was, is people had gotten the product, maybe reordered another one. And now all of a sudden it looks like it's not the same. And because three people out of a hundred, you know, complained, it all, all of a sudden drew up a red flag and all someone has to say in there is generic or it's uh, not authentic. Right. And then instantly the filter goes in place, boom, Amazon shuts it down, and now you have to start proving yourself. Um, and sometimes that's a challenge because sometimes you're not talking to the right person on the other end that can help you either, which I think Amazon needs to, to kind of fix that because, you know, it's like you can talk to someone that just, they don't really even know the system. They're just there for, for you know, basic customer service, not like this type of claim. So I think there's got to be just a little bit uh, of an easier way to actually communicate back and forth. Um, but it, that's for a, that's for a whole nother thing, and that's not something, something you and I are going to be let's able to talk do. Talk about sure. problems we can solve. Yeah, let's let, let's actually dive into now, like the big one, right? Like yeah. right now, and, and I say the big one, and I, I I think you know I think a lot of people like, and it, it stirred up the community. Let me just say it stirred it up, and it kind of flipped it up on its head. And I understand that, but let's just really talk about what happened why it happened that we think it happened and what it means for us moving forward. So maybe just what was your reaction when you heard this? Like, were you surprised? Yeah. So, you know, anytime Amazon makes an announcement, uh, there is what's in the industry called FUD, right? FUD is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And it runs rampant because Amazon makes a change and you as a seller are trying to figure out what does that change mean and how does it affect me? Mm -hmm. What was, what was different about this change was that Amazon didn't just come out with a policy update. They actually came out with a full blown announcement. And so Amazon came out with an announcement, an FAQ and a policy update. So personally, um, it was, uh, I'm, I'm Jewish and, uh, it was, it was, the, uh, the, the day of Rosh Hashanah and I was taking the day off and my phone <laughs> exploded oh, yeah. right? with, yep. uh, with messages of what's going on. What do you think? And, and obviously, um, we have a lot of, we all, we both have a lot of friends who are influencers in the space and everybody was kind of pinging each other to try to understand what this was, what does it mean and what's next? And yeah. we had, so the Amazon had a women, a woman's conference in, August of 2016. And at that woman's conference, we had a couple of our clients told that changes were going to come within the product giveaway review process. And so we had an inkling that something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, but we had no, nobody had any details of what was happening. Um, none of my contacts at Amazon had any kind of forewarning that this was happening. And as, as I've shared with Scott in the past, sometimes we do get warnings to things that are coming and we can kind of prepare a little bit for how to deal with the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that exists within the market. Mm. Um, what happened in this case that's different was 
because Amazon got bad press, they were forced to act in a, in a way that was very defined, very concrete, and would get the uh, press nightmare that they were having over with. And so for those that are not aware, what happened was there was a company called, or there is a company called Review Meta who had analyzed like something like seven or eight million Amazon reviews. And they looked for the term, this product was um, given at a discount, right? So they were looking for terminology that was wrapped around what they defined as an incentivized review. And what Review Meta did was they looked at all of these incentivized reviews versus these non-incentivized reviews. And they determined that the average star rating, the five-star rating for Amazon reviews, was 4.7 for these incentivized reviews versus 4.3 for the non-incentivized reviews. They created a really cute video about how uh, Amazon incentivized reviews were giving a skewed perspective to sellers, and it went viral. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, it had a massive Reddit post. It was getting picked up by newspapers all over the country. And Amazon needed to address this immediately because this was an attack on the integrity of their customers. And for those that don't understand the principles of Amazon, it's a, it's something you should read. If you're going to sell in this space, you should read the leadership, the Amazon leadership principles, because it's the governing body by which all Amazon staff work under. And within their circle, the customer is everything. And the integrity of their relationship with the customer supersedes any other relationship that Amazon has. Mm -hmm. And so by taking this swift action and effectively banning incentivized reviews, Amazon got exactly what they wanted. If you go to Google today and you type in Amazon reviews, everything is about how Amazon banned reviews. And uh, you know, I don't know if it will be when this, uh, when this, when this comes out in a couple of, uh, in a couple of weeks, but that's what Amazon wanted. They wanted to change the story and to give, um, credibility back to the system that they were building. Now, yeah. Amazon built their own problem. <laughs> That's much. the interesting yeah. part, right? Because yeah. August of 2015, Amazon came out and said, if you're going to give these products away at a discount, you have to add this disclaimer. And a lot and of that was that was FTC though, right? It is it is FTC, but the FTC is somewhat vague into what it means to give away a product at a discount. Now it's very mm -hmm. clear that if you give a product away for free, the disclaimer has to be there. But if I run a coupon ad in a mailer, is that giving a customer um, a discount to try my product and do they have to disclaim that in the review? So what Amazon was saying back then and what they're even saying today is if you're giving a product away at a discount with any type of direct or implied contract for a review, that those reviews are now illegal and that they don't want to see them on their system. Right. And, and that's, you know, that, that's what I mean. It's kind of like reading reading the rules and then interpreting them, right? I mean, that's the hard part because we can sit here and think and guess of what we think it means, um, which it meant that makes sense to me, but then there's a workaround, right? There's always a workaround on how you can kind of, well, get around that, right? Um, and, and I think the same thing. It's like, I think the big problem was, you know, because there were trained people 
even in their own system. Like we're saying, like, just go out to the top 10,000 reviewers. That's a whole community and a culture in itself. Right. Right. There's people right now. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. You probably are. There's people right now in that community of reviewers that are so devastated that they can't get products at a discount for their Christmas this year. Yep. Devastated. Yeah, I think right? There's a petition on petition.org from their side of it. Yes. And hey, you, you, you've shut us out now. You've shut us out. Like I, I am, you know, I'm whatever I'm on disability and I can't, you know, get, get a, a full-time job. And because of that, I, I relied on these review groups to basically, or not even review groups, these, these people wanting me to review their product. And I was getting product at a discount so I could give my family a, a great Christmas or I could get things that I normally wouldn't have been able to get. So there's that side of it too. I, so I, I get all that. But the thing is, is I think it's the people that were, and not even just the people, but groups that trained people to do this, which I think it was, that's fine because people all raised their hand in this group, right? They're like, we want to receive product at a discount. The problem is they are also trained to leave in the disclaimer. And they're trained to do everything by Amazon's guidelines. And now, technically, that's what's throwing up the red flag because you're giving the product away at a discount in exchange for the review. And that's the that's the thing I think that made... So I have my own thoughts on this too. I'm like, well, this was a way for Amazon to get the FTC thing out of there. So now it's not... You're not going to know, right? If you're, a, if you're a regular you know buyer, you're not going to go there and see, I receive this item at a discount anymore. At least you shouldn't. Because you're not, you're not, you're, you don't have to do that anymore, but you're also not supposed to, as a seller, I'm not supposed to give away a product at a discount for a review. I Does that make sense? I think that's a very keen interpretation of exactly what has happened. Amazon has shown a tendency over the years to avoid anything legal, right? So that it's been very well documented with Nexus and tax and how Amazon <laughs> 100%. Has, has 100%. And this is the, this is the same exact thing. Amazon, yep. and that's why Amazon is sending you as, you know, they're going to send you a letter out as a seller and say, if you're giving these products away at a discount, you are violating FTC rules, right? Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. going to say, this is your problem. This is not mine because these are, these type of relationships are not allowed on our system. So, so we, we don't have to deal with it. It's not our problem. Right. It's not our problem. It's not our problem. And yes, now, they exactly did exactly they did exactly yeah. what you said was they put the people like review like review meta and fake spot out of business because theoretically no review from this point forward will be posted with that data except for Amazon Vine. Exactly. Exactly. So so now the, the next question would come into is Amazon going to have a certain percentage that if you give off, you will not be able to leave a review? Yeah, so I think that is what's completely up in the air right now. And I don't believe, so there's, there's a, um, a thing called the law of reciprocity, right? And we're gonna, I'm going to use the law of reciprocity really in two ways here to, to, to demonstrate. The law of reciprocity says that if I do something for you, you will do something for me. All right. Yep. So exactly. you're walking yep. through two doors. If I hold the first door open for you, you are more than likely going to move forward to the next door and hold it open for me. Right. Exactly. That's yep. probably the, mo the most simple way to explain the laws of reciprocity. Yep. That is what um, a lot of sellers were banking on with incentivized reviews that I'm giving you a product at a discount. Therefore, you will write me a good review. Um, and the laws of reciprocity usually work and <laughs> it's been statistically proven. Yes. So I think that, um, I, I, 
My recommendation today, uh, you know, just after this all occurred, is that your strategy as a seller should be to look at giving products away to drive brand recognition and to build a base for your product as one process and soliciting reviews as another. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're looking at that, you cannot look at it and say, well, I'm going to use one system to give my products away and another system to ask for the reviews. You really need to do it completely disconnected and not expect reviews from any products that you're giving away. Now, I think the first thing that we saw was that a lot of sellers that were giving products away for 80, 90%, all of a sudden started changing their discount to 40, 50%. Sure. Because if they're going to be giving the products away and not getting a review, they didn't want to give as much of a discount. That's a natural reaction from the marketplace. The point of discounting your products is that you want to test your products into the market and see what the reaction from people are. That process has never and will never change. That's the concept of Costco, right? You walk through Costco and there's a reason they're giving you all these free samples because people will end up buying those products once they've tried them. Sure. If you open up a, the, the example I like to give is if you open up a pizza store, you're going to walk around and hand out flyers to get people to come in and try your product. So whether you're launching a product or you're trying to build a product or expand on your product, discounting should be part of your strategy. You just need to change your overall mentality wrapped around that. Um, I personally changed my email structures um, that come from my product giveaways. So I still do product giveaways, but within my emails, I only focus them on customer service. And what I'm trying to do is create a chain that I can show to Amazon if I get in trouble that says, hey, listen, yes, I gave this product away at a discount, but I also followed up with the customer and I never asked for a review. I only offered customer service to that customer. And if you use, you know, if you use a system like Feedback Genius, and I know there's other systems that do this as well, you can actually target your message based on the price the product was sold at. So I can send a different message to somebody who paid a full price for the product versus somebody who paid a promotional price for the product. But but now, let, okay, let me ask you this, because, I mean, this is my thoughts. Because Amazon really said, like, we don't want you soliciting the people that you gave a discount to. Like, we don't want you, we don't want you basically going after the review is what they were saying. They weren't even saying solicit. They, we, we just don't want you to uh, to get a review from from that particular thing, right? But now, if someone buys your product organically and they pay you know, full price, or maybe, maybe you discounted it for a week and you lowered your price by four bucks, right? And they still came through there. Or maybe you gave a discount on your, on your website to go over to Amazon to buy the product, right? No matter what way that person bought, whether it's through a giveaway promo, a discount, or even regular price, I believe, this is my opinion, that if you send them through your same follow-up, there's no difference. I don't know how that can be wrong. Because I'm not changing it up. I would think if I changed it up and I said, I'm giving away a discount, so now I'm going to go and hit these guys over the head with getting a feedback review, I'm going to still follow My first message is always customer service related. Nothing about a feedback, nothing about reviews. The second one would be more about 
again, just checking in, making sure everything is is okay. If you have any questions, let us know. And hey, could you do me a quick favor? We're a small local business and we want to make sure that you're happy. And Amazon wants to make sure that you're happy as well. Could you do us a favor to go over and, and let them know how we did and give us some feedback? That's it. Right. So you're not saying like, go give me the review, go give me the feedback. You're basically just saying you want to make sure that you're doing what's right by them and you want to let Amazon know that you're doing a good job as well. That's it. But it's the same process for anyone that goes through the system. So maybe I'm wrong, but that's my thought process moving forward. Correct me if you think of if you think I'm wrong or I mean, I'm I'm fine with that. I think the answer is that we don't know. So yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can tell you that you're wrong. Um, Ultimately, Amazon uses machine learning to make a lot of its decisions, right? Sure. So machine learning is uh, when you teach a computer system to act and react based on certain things that occur. And so it's very clear that if anybody uses the terminology offered in exchange for a discount, yeah. that review is going to be removed, right? We can yeah, all bad. agree yeah. upon that. Yep, 100%. Um, I think that once you get beyond that, Amazon is going to hang their their hat on the term excessive. And if yep, I like that too, yeah, you're right. And, and at that point, what I look for is what I call a natural curve, right? And so the, you've heard this in, in my presentations that I do, but you have impressions, you have sessions, you have conversions, and you have reviews. And it is not natural to have an equal number across all of those. So for those mm-hmm. that are not familiar, right, let's just kind of go through it for those that are that, that might not know all the terminology. An impression is um, typically a keyword, right? So something that describes your product, garlic press, and how many times your product shows up for that keyword. You're gonna typically find impression data by using sponsored ads. Um, you can also, that's probably the best way to get it. Session mm-hmm. is once they actually come to your product detail page. Conversion is where they move from the product detail page to an actual purchase. And then review is obviously when they leave the review about that. Amazon is looking for a natural curve amongst those things. And so by discounting your product and by putting it out into a community for people to buy, you will increase your number of sessions on your page and you will increase your conversions and you will increase your reviews, but everything should be proportionate, sure. right? So if you're getting a, what, what was happening before was that you were giving away 100 coupons, you were getting 100 conversions, and you were getting 85 reviews. What Amazon is looking for is something more like, you gave away 100 coupons, you got 85 conversions, right? Because not everybody that took the coupon actually bought it, right. and you got, 15 reviews. And I think if that natural, maybe it's 20, maybe it's slightly higher, but it's not 85% like it was before. Exactly. And then Amazon is also specifically looking at systems like Snagshout and other systems that are out there. And it's looking at their processes. And so what happens is if Scott, you get caught Amazon is going to come to you and say, we think you've been excessive. We're suspending your account mm-hmm. for you to get uncaught, for you to be released. Amazon is going to say to you, tell us everything you did. Now they don't tell you what they know and what they didn't know. They just want to know everything that you did. Yeah. You then are going to say, I gave products away here. I did a promotion on Facebook. I you know, ran this on um, Reddit and you're going to tell them everything that you did. They're going to then start to look at those individual things that you did. And they're going to look at every 
one of those and say, okay, you gave it away on our review club in Facebook. Here's the name of the review club. Oh, by the way, we're already members of that because we're everywhere. Yep. Um, and we know that they're still implying a discount in exchange for review. Therefore, this is a legal activity and you deserve the suspension that you're getting. Mm-hmm. And they're going to make that determination for each of these groups, organizations and such. And so Amazon came out with an update. Um, I believe it was in June of 2016. It was a very minor update, but I actually thought it was pretty major. And within the update, they said something to the effect that as a seller on the Amazon marketplace, you are responsible for the third party software companies that you choose to do business with or the third party mm-hmm. Um, systems that you choose to do business with. And that's everything from, you know, something like inventory labs to feedback genius to snagshot to, you know, scan power, whatever, whatever system you use, you're responsible. You can't cry. I didn't know they were doing that. Right, right. right that's what, right. that's what, right, uh, what, what do they say? Ignorance isn't an excuse to break the law. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so your job as an Amazon seller is to, is to understand who you're working with how they're protecting you as a seller and whether you agree with it. Mm-hmm. And so don't just go sign up for Snagshot because you heard Jeff Cohen talk on this podcast and say, I want to go use Snagshot. Ask the questions about what we do that's different. Um, I think that any, any site that gives away product at a discount and is talking about the review in any way, shape or form is a red flag in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes the URL that includes the language that they're using to speak to their consumers. So we had a lot of people, we made a decision at Snagshout that we were not going to talk about the review at all. And we had a lot of merchants come up to us and say, we don't agree with you. We believe that you should tell everyone that buys a product on Snagshout that they are not required to give the review, but our merchants would appreciate it if they did. Yeah, no, no. And we said, mm. listen, like that, we believe that at that point we're making a decision that can put our merchants in harm's way. And so we, we made a pretty dramatic change to the Snagshot platform that completely removed anything and everything related to uh, reviews from the site. So um, our shoppers can't see reviews that they've left. There's no tie to leaving reviews and being able to use the system more. Um, we actually got rid of the ability to tie into any social channel. So they can't even leave, you know, comments on other social channels because we kind of believe that that left a implied leave it here and then also leave it there. Mm-hmm. Um, we got rid of the merchant's ability to see whether reviews have been left by the customer. Um, we've never let the merchant pick which shoppers get their products. Um, our shoppers used to have to give us their reviewer ID to be qualified to use the site. We removed that. So we really stripped all of these pieces out to really kind of model like a traditional deal site mm-hmm. and say, Hey, these are deals you want to promote them. We've got a really big audience that is interested in buying products at a discount, put your products on here. We'll promote them. And yeah. so I think that as a seller, you have to decide how much risk you're willing to take and you know, put your account up for grabs, so to speak. 
yeah. and, and, and then evaluate each of your suppliers to determine if they put you at, at risk or not. I, I think the only thing there that's tough for me right now is the dust hasn't settled. Yep. And and there's still people in those groups that they may not even be aware of what's going on, right? Like they're just people there that want to get deals, right? But they're trained to leave reviews and they're so how do we untrain them to not have to do that? Because they might just go like the old way, right? I just got something from Snagshout and, and and it's been always I've just always put in there the disclaimer. I'm just gonna put it in there. What happens? You know, I mean, like those those people have to be like retrained or re-educated in in a sense. Yeah, so I don't disagree with you. And I think that a lot of sellers were looking for kind of like, what's the immediate, what do I do today? Right, right. I kind of agree with you that part of it is taking a deep breath when these things happen. 100%. And, (laughs) and, and, and you and I talked about this last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and seeing where they settle out before you determine what your strategy is. So different sellers are in different parts of their, of their life cycle. And you have to kind of determine if your product just hit Amazon and it's your first product, you, you, and this was your strategy, you may need to take a little bit of risk and do it now because you don't want to wait and miss Q4. But mm-hmm. if you've been selling for a while and this was a supplement strategy to what you were doing, then maybe it's best to sit on the sideline. Maybe this is your time that you go and experiment with Facebook ads or you go and experiment with um, you know, building out your own Shopify store. And I think that the retraining will happen over time. Um, we personally at Snagshot have told all of our shoppers that Amazon changed their policy and that if they're going to choose to write a review, it's, it's completely up to them and to not you know, use that disclaimer. Um, we also reiterate that during the checkout process just so that they're very clear mm-hmm. that no review is required in any way, shape or form. But you're right. There are going to be people who are just kind of used to doing it. They don't understand all of the rules. Um, In all honesty, not everybody was leaving the the disclaimer in the first place. So we actually used to have processes that went back and told people to add the disclaimer. Mm -hmm. Um, But Amazon updated their policy with regard to asking people to change reviews. So they they actually – you're not allowed to ask them to manipulate the review in any way, shape, or form. So technically, you can't even ask them to remove that line uh, you know, from that. But that's where I feel that if you have a communication process that can – so Amazon looks at – Amazon has a record of everything that occurs within the buyer messaging system, right? Mm-hmm. And so any, message, any automated messaging system that you use is using Amazon's buyer messaging system – because that's the only way to communicate with Amazon customers. Yeah. By having this backup trail within there that shows that you as a seller are doing the right things, you have a way to kind of come back and say, hey, listen, I never asked for the review, I never implied a contract for the review, I actually only offered customer service. Um, And so that's why I believe what I'm doing is the best path for me today, but I don't necessarily think that what you're doing is wrong mm-hmm. um, because you're, you know, you're using a totally different system for requesting the review. I think that the future, as we look to the future, um, everything Amazon does has what I call unintended consequences. Um, so their August 15th update of 2015 actually caused what happened in October of 2016. 
right, right, right. And so everything that occurs within Amazon has unintended consequences, and it's still yet to know exactly what those unintended consequences are. And as a seller, um, we need to make sure that we're not driven based on fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but that we're putting a solid business plan together to, to build quality products that are um, unique in some way, shape, or form, and that we're building beautiful listings and we're optimizing them, and that we're providing amazing customer service, and that we are doing things to market and promote our product. Um, and those things are all within Amazon's rules. Yeah, no, I, I I think you're spot on with with all that. I think it all comes down to you know you know building you know or using that channel the way it was intended to be used. And uh, and yeah, you know there are ways that you can. I don't even want to say manipulate, but you can you can you can have ways that can allow you to you know get more reviews, but doing it ethically, doing it honestly by following up with good customer service, right? I mean, like just doing the good old fashioned, like you don't even have to tell them they're going to do it because they're going to want to. Um, and I think it, you know, it goes down to Amazon's mission, right? It's, it's their customers. Number one, like you said, um, you know, so any company out there that is focused solely on the customer usually wins. Um, you know, so I think that that's a huge lesson for everyone. And, you know, I, I, I just think that people, when they get started, anyone, I mean, we all fall into that. I've fallen into that. It's like, you want the shortcut, right? We all want the shortcut. We don't want to go the long way, but the long way a lot of times is the better way. And yeah, there'll be other shortcuts along the way. And we have no idea what Amazon's going to do tomorrow. There could be another update that comes out tomorrow that does something else that all of a sudden it tips it on its head, you know, and who knows, I've even thought of this maybe in a year from now, they're going to make it where you have to do at least six figures a month or they're not going to let you even open a store or whatever. I mean, I know Walmart is, is kind of harder to get into right now because because of those stipulations and stuff so we, we have no idea um so i would just say anybody right now that's thinking about getting getting started like yes it, it, it's a little bit harder than it was yesterday but it could be harder a month from now too um so i just say to anyone put together a solid business plan go after a market not just a product that's my thing um and then you know i would say as soon as possible try to start creating your own email list at least, or your social following of some kind for that market that you're serving. And that would be my, my bits of advice. So anything else you want to end up with, uh, or, and, and the, the, uh, the interview here with, or the conversation, I don't even call this an interview. This is like a conversation. Like, so yeah. what, is there anything else that you want to just let anyone know? I mean, I know you've got, you know, a ton of resources on seller labs, um, that you can direct people to, we can link it up in the show notes, but anything else you want to like, just make sure that people are aware of, or that they, you know, maybe just getting started or people that, are, you know, they, they got hit with this thing and they're like, now what? And like, is there any words of wisdom there? Yeah, so there were clearly there, there there has clearly been weeks and weeks of just new policy update or changes from you know box content labels to new storage fees to uh, closing Amazon to new FBA sellers to yeah. the yep. review like that's just part of Amazon and as you look to <laughs> remember this and as you look to 2017 understand that this is probably going to happen again. Yep. Um, don't be scared by fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Like, try to become educated consumers. Don't be what I call a fear monger, where you're just kind of saying the, the you know the world's ending, the world's ending. Yeah. Um, try to understand what it actually means for your business. Uh, you know, I always go back to your job isn't right. So on Amazon, off of Amazon, your job on Amazon is to understand impressions, sessions, conversions, reviews. 
understand where your gap is, where your problem is. If you have a lot of impressions and you don't have a lot of sessions, you might need to improve your product listing to get more people, maybe try your photos or something like that. Sure, sure. If you have a lot of sessions but not a lot of impressions, you need to add to your bullet points and your descriptions to get more keywords built into your listings. If you're not getting a lot of conversion, if you're getting the sessions but not conversions, look and make sure that you're actually giving features and benefits, right? That you're actually mm. giving reasonable information that would drive somebody to make a decision to buy a product from you. And if you're not getting a lot of reviews, but you're getting a lot of conversions, then look at your follow-up sequence and what you're doing. Yeah. And the and the beauty of Amazon is that you can actually um, you can actually control each one of those four things, right? So you can get more impressions by running more sponsored ads if you aren't getting them naturally. Right. Um, and so sellers, I think, need to understand if you had all four of those on a wall in front of you what are your numbers, right? So you have to know your numbers. Um, and, and, and you talk a lot about knowing your numbers on the product discovery and production side. But now that you're, you're listed, know your numbers. Now find out where your problem is and then focus on your problem. I always like to start at the back of the funnel and move forward, right? So if I can fix my reviews first, then I fix my conversions, then I fix my sessions, then I fix my impressions. I know that as more people see my product, they'll move through the whole chain, right? A lot of people tend to start at the beginning. I need more impressions, I need more impressions, I need more impressions. But if you're driving more people in, but the conversions suck, then you're wasting the money driving people in on the front end. Yeah, no, I I agree. You always reverse back. I, I like that that as well. And it's, it's like you said, I mean, if you don't have that part in place, well, then you start getting people through, you're kind of letting them slip through the cracks um, and and not capitalizing on that extra traffic. Well, this has been awesome. I know we could talk for another hour, two, three, we can just sit here and keep rapping about this stuff because we love talking about this stuff and maybe we'll have to have you back on again and uh, we can discuss some other aspects of this. But um, why don't you give people uh, a way that they can get a hold of you or uh, Seller Labs and uh, we can link all that up in the show notes as well. Yeah, so sellerlabs.com slash theamazingseller is a landing page we have for this uh, community. And um, we're going to have some special resources on here that kind of talk about some of the topics that we talked about, some blogs that kind of go into this in a little bit more in depth. So if you're kind of like, I didn't catch this part of it or I didn't understand how that part, you know, I didn't understand how this update affected something, um, we'll, we'll link to those within this page. Um, you know, we obviously have tools that you guys can use feedback genius and Snagshout, as well as our newest tool called scope. And so, uh, welcome anybody to, to try what we have. Um, I am uh, pretty readily available on Facebook. Um, if you are friends with, you know, people in the community and you look for Jeff Cohen, you'll find me with like friends. I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, and you know, I, I make myself pretty open. Scott knows I speak at quite a few conferences. I probably spoke at 12 or 13 conferences this year. And so if you ever see me at a conference, uh, please come up and say, hi, uh, give me your feedback. Um, ultimately I want to know if I've provided anything of value to you by coming onto this podcast. So if I have, you know, please share that in the show notes, uh, that gives information back to Scott and I as to whether we talked about something that was worth your time. Your time is your most valuable resource and hopefully 
Um, I gave you something today that will help you improve your business and, uh, and, and, and help you drive more profits. No, I, I, yeah, I love all of that. And I just want to echo that, uh, you know, you know, obviously, you know, the tools and everything that we're using, they're, they're a convenience for us. Right. And I only really recommend, uh, you know, companies or people that, um, friends with and that I know. And, you know, you and you and I, Jeff, been talking, you know, for a while. Um, and, and then now to have you on the show is great, but I mean, you know, Jeff represents a really great, uh, a great product suite of tools. Um, and like he was saying, like, if you're going to use tools, you want to make sure that the tools you're using are backed by good people and they definitely are. So definitely go check out the show notes. So there's a ton of resources, um, on their blog. And like we said, we're going to kind of put them in together and make it easier for you guys on one page. So if you have any questions there and of course, reach out to Jeff, if you have any questions, um, about what we talked about or anything else for that matter, he's always available. And Jeff, I just want to say again, thank you so much. It was great meeting you in person. I'm sure we'll run across each other again at another conference. And I just wanted to say thanks a lot for coming on. And you always are adding value to the community. So I just want to say thank you personally here today in front of everyone that's listening. So thanks again, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Okay. So there you have it. I mean, when Jeff and I got on, we really didn't know a hundred percent of the direction we were going to go. And you can just tell, like, we could sit there and talk about this stuff for hours uh, because we have actually in uh, <laughs> when we were uh, in person and uh, we could just continue to do it because he does have so much knowledge in the space. Again, you know, he doesn't have all the answers, but he does have a good idea of how this business operates and works. And just to have him on to be able to, to really dig into some of his experience talking to other sellers and stuff, I think is really, really valuable. So hopefully you got a lot of value from this episode. If you want to uh, download the show notes or the transcripts, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 278. And like Jeff said, they created a page over there for us to be able to uh, really connect the dots and kind of go through some of that information that's there uh, that they've already published um, over on their website. So you can head over to sellerlabs.com forward slash the amazing seller and uh, you'll get all those goodies over there. And like I said, you know, to Jeff and to you guys, I mean, I really do only endorse uh, companies that I feel good about or that I've worked with or that I know personally. And Jeff is definitely a huge component and a huge part of Seller Lab. So uh, definitely go check those guys out. All right. So that's it, guys. That's going to wrap up this episode. Remember the show notes, theamazingseller.com forward slash 278. And one last reminder for this episode. Remember, guys, I'm here for you and I believe in you and I'm rooting for you. But you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I will see you right back here on the next episode.